Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I'd like to continue where I left off last week, looking at the benefits of following Jesus and being a son or a daughter of the Father in terms of uh, receiving our reward from God rather than from human beings. And um, let's look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 16. Jesus here is talking about, you know, like um, living your spiritual life in a hidden way before God rather than uh, flaunting it, I guess, or doing it in a public way, however subtle that might be or however overt it might be. You know, how do we um, position ourselves in our spiritual life in a way that is authentic and is before God primarily and, and not for some other benefit? Jesus says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they may be noticed by people when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So here there's an assumption that um, there is a reward that can be received by human beings for um, you know, public display of spiritual, spiritual practices. And, um, and that there are a lot of people, a lot of us that um, are tempted to practice our righteousness for that reward. And, and maybe the reward would be that we're viewed as a very spiritual person, as someone who is um, an exemplary person to be followed, to be taught by, to be learned from, and uh, to be invited as a speaker to who, you know, whose books and articles um, would be promoted and read, whatever. There's all kinds of benefits, financial benefits as well, to being viewed as a spiritual leader. And so, um, so the temptation would be to let people know just uh, are all about our spiritual practices. And Jesus is saying, um, when we do that in a way to be noticed, and um, then we've received our reward in full. And um, But Jesus, in contrast, says, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, um, living our lives before God without um, displaying our practices before others requires faith because it requires faith that there actually is a God, um, our Father in Heaven, who we are living our lives before. We're, we're, we're fasting, we're praying, we're doing our, our actions. Um, that are in alignment with God's word to us. You know, we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to do what we're called to do. Um, you know, living a life that is a hidden life requires, I guess, um, I guess a confidence that it's not hidden before God, that God sees, and and that living our lives in God's presence is is where is where it's at. And you know, but to be convinced of this, I guess our faith needs to be strengthened, doesn't it? You know, to, um, to, to sacrifice, to make big sacrifices like not eating or like um, giving of our 
income or giving of our time, um, risking our lives, risking different things. Um, I think it does require, you know, like real trust. And I think this is all rooted in an earlier teaching, right from the very beginning of Jesus's teaching in the Beatitudes. And if we go right back to chapter five, it says, um, you know, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In order to really believe uh, that we're blessed when we're in that state of poverty of spirit, um, you know, we, you know, we need to, I guess, have that kind of assurance that, um, that we have the kingdom of heaven, you know, right then and there. And the blessed state is a present tense state. And um, the, the only other thing that's present tense in the Beatitudes is the, is, the per, is the verse 10, blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the, the present state of being a follower of Jesus is marked by poverty of spirit and persecuted persecution for the sake of righteousness that's the present tense of our life according to jesus and to live in that tension of poverty of spirit and persecution um, as the present reality of our existence which um, could last for our whole lives in this world i think requires a constant remembrance of, of who we are and um, before God, our, our Father in heaven, and uh, following Jesus, and a remembrance that actually um, is what faith is all about, is living before the unseen realities, spiritual realities before God, you know, uh, living our lives um, in a hidden way, believing. And um, all the rest of these Beatitudes are in the future tense. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the assumption is that they'll be comforted by God, right? This is uh, uh, the divine passive, you know, where it's not mentioned who's the comforter, but there's an assumption that it's God who's the comforter. So blessed are the, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So believing that you're going to be comforted, that you are going to inherit the earth um, is apparently really important so that we can uh, survive, I guess, the grief and, um, you know, and the struggle of following this narrow path of, you know, of, of, of being devoted to Jesus and, you know, being vulnerable um, to having our hearts broken just by um, our engagement you know, with the suffering of people and the world and our own suffering, you know, um, staying in a meek state or moving towards meekness requires, um, you know, a real refusal to get into the mode of justifying ourselves or accusing those that um, attack us. And um, that's very, very difficult. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Once again, the future tense is, um, could be a long time in the future when we'll be satisfied if we're in that state of 
hungering and thirsting, which is a state of not having, not receiving yet, you know, living in the not yet. Um, this is a painful place to be in when we're aware of the world and we're, and we're trying to be open-eyed and open-eared and paying attention to, you know, the everything that's around us um, in our families, you know, just our own personal struggles um, in our communities, in our nation, in the larger world, to to stay hungry and thirsty without, you know, without being satiated or filled. Um, that's hard. And I think that's one of the temptations. That's one of the reasons why people, you know, we get caught up in ideologies is we're looking for relief from that hunger and thirst in some immediate way, you know, through a political program, through winning, um, you know, in terms of our agendas. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So to be merciful and merciful and merciful again, over and over and over again, and to stay in the trenches of, you know, this posture of extending mercy requires that we are receiving mercy ourselves over and over again um, now, but um, maybe not in a material way that we're going to experience, you know, from people. Um, the future tense assumes that the mercy is going to come, you know, eventually. But how do we maintain, you know, our vulnerability and our, our heart of mercy in the not yet? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So once again, keeping a purity of heart, um, that's super hard because um, it involves, you know, just being uh, willing to walk in the light and to stay in the light. And that can be very painful and and vulnerable because maybe we are are trying to live our lives with integrity, but others aren't seeing that. Or, um, and we don't want to pit, we don't want to draw attention to our integrity. Uh, because once again, that's the danger of, of the danger is, is that we're seeking that reward from humans rather than really living in a, in a direct, um, I guess, hope and expectation and, and waiting on the Lord to be our vindicator. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Um, once again, that's the future tense. You know, we can't call ourselves a son or a daughter of God, I guess. Well, we can, but it's the Father that needs to to say it. Um, you know, like with Jesus, he, you know, when he came up out of the waters of baptism or in the privacy of, of the, you know, the real intimate encounter on the Transfiguration Mountain, you know, when Jesus was there with Peter, James, and John, and, you know, and there was the revelation, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, or listen to him. You know, that was something that, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't, was only for those, those three. And we were let in on that as well. But for us to really be um, declared as sons or daughters of the Father in a public way before others, um, it's, it's, it's unlikely, right? It's not going not gonna to happen. We're going to have to trust that that's how we're seen by God and, um, and that we will we will be called God's daughters, God's sons, you know, one day. And it's that, it's that tr trusting in that vindication, I guess, that is, it's a hard place to be. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And this is followed immediately by verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You know, blessed are you. Um, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So um, I think we really need to, to grow in our assurance of this, um, I guess, that, that we really truly will be vindicated and we'll receive our reward in heaven because um, these days the cost of speaking truth and, um, you know, the, the cost of, I guess, being prophetic or, um, you know, like really trying to communicate what God is saying to us, um, to those that we're called to announce the gospel to, you know, that, um, that can be really, it can be really awkward and difficult. There's such a fear of being canceled, you know, um, there are, um, you know, there's, there's people are on high alert, um, because, um, Christians are making all kinds of public declarations that are often causing people in the world to, to feel on the defensive. You know, they're, they're making declarations about, about issues in the world, like abortion, um, that are causing people to assume that, that followers of Jesus are judgmental and are looking down on, on, on those that are offenders. And, um, and so we don't want to be one of those Christians, but I think there's fear on the left and on the right of being canceled. And, um, and that's because we don't want, um, you know, we don't want that persecution. We don't believe, I guess, that blessed are you who are persecuted, um, because of Jesus rejoice and be glad. Okay. Like, do we rejoice and be glad if we're canceled? Of course, we don't want to be canceled because of, um, like imprudence or, or just saying way too much or showing all of our cards. We want to be wise. You know, Jesus didn't just, um, answer the questions of the Pharisees and the scribes and teachers of the law who were trying to trap him. Um, he didn't, he was wise, you know, and he says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But Jesus really um, also functioned prophetically many times and said very strong things uh, to the religious leaders of his day. And he, you know, he spoke the truth. And, and so we, we need to be free. Um, and that freedom, I think, comes because um, through us living our lives before God as our Father in heaven, and, you know, living in that new birth of our identity as daughters and sons of the Father, of Jesus, our Father. And, you know, having that assurance is what should root us, um, even though the rewards are all talked about in the future tense, aren't they? Jesus doesn't want us to, to just hide out. You know, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So we don't want to just hide, um, you know, hide out and not speak out. Um, you know, one of the main things Jesus did was he proclaimed the kingdom of God. You know, he preached, he taught, and 
So he wasn't hiding out and um, to avoid being canceled. And he was being uh, true to his prophetic calling. And he was announcing and he called his disciples to do the same. Um, he says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says, let your light shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we're not to hide, um, you know, we're not to um, avoid any sort of, um, I guess, public proclamation or bearing witness. I think this is the tendency of many of us these days where we avoid being associated with a kind of Christianity that's cringy or that's associated with empire, that's associated with nationalism or that's associated with moralism and judgmentalism. And so we just, we just back off from, you know, um, sharing our faith in a public way. Um, I think that's, that's one of the tendencies and others just are boldly going for it with, you know, with a moralistic, with a Christian nationalist or, you know, white supremacist agenda. And I mean, that's also quite annoying, right? But I think we want to make sure that we're letting our light shine before people. And then it says, Jesus says, in such a way that they may see our good works, okay? So they do see that we're doing something. We're not hiding our good works. Uh, but we're doing it in such a way that they would glorify um, our Father who is in heaven rather than glorifying us. Because if we're doing it in such a way that it's bringing glory to us and we're getting the reward, okay, well, we're going to get that reward. But that's the, that's the extent of our reward. We're not going to receive the reward from the Father. And that um, action and those words that we, that we, you know, that we embody and we proclaim won't be clean and pure and uh, connecting people to God, but might actually just create a dependency on ourselves and be a setup for eventually people being completely disappointed by us because we're not God and we can never be God. We can never give people um, what they're looking for. You know, we can't uh, quench the thirst and, um, you know, provide what will satisfy the hunger of anybody um, because we're not God. And so um, when we do set things up in such a way where we get the credit, we're setting ourselves up um, for being, you know, finally just, um, you know, rejected too, because, because who can measure up? You know, I mean, it's like the politician who makes all the promises and then can't uh, deliver. And I think, um, you know, we want to be um, both publicly going for it so that, um, you know, people, you know, without hiding in a way, like Jesus, everything he did, he did publicly. And, um, and yet at the same time, we want to make sure that the glory is going to God the Father. And so Jesus doesn't tell us how to do that. So we've got to figure that out, I think. Anyway, I want to um, go back to some other things regarding, you know, the reward. So Jesus, um, you know, he says uh, that we're to love our enemies. This is verse 44, and pray for those who persecute us so that we may be sons and daughters of, of our Father who is in heaven. Um, for, for this Father causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
And so, you know, um, we're, we're to love, um, we're to love even the people that, um, you know, just persecute us openly. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Okay, so, um, so we're to do this for a reward, but it's not a reward in this, um, you know, from our detractors and necessarily from people around us. Although perhaps God the Father, you know, our God can reward us um, in this life um, before we die. Uh, because God does work through human beings, and maybe that is a way that God will reward us, but we, we mustn't be self-consciously trying to manipulate in any way that to happen. We've got to be doing it in a disinterested way. Um, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Okay, well, there is going to be a reward for sure, but it's not going to be even close to the reward that we're going to receive from, you know, from God. Do not even tax collectors do the same? Well, I mean, clearly the tax collectors got a reward. That's how they made their money. That's how they made their income. Um, if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So, and then that immediately goes into this, what we looked at last week. Beware of practicing your righteousness before people to be noticed by them. Um, Otherwise, you will have no reward, no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So, um, I I feel super inspired by this. I want to learn how to live um, by faith in a more full-on way, where I'm, um, you know, I'm really doing what Jesus describes—not my own will, but the will of the one who. Um, who sends us, me, you know, I want to be in touch with the voice of God, my father, and be seeing what God is doing and doing what, what I see the father doing, like, like Jesus describes, because he invites us to do likewise. Um, I think, you know, um, a lot of the reason that we do things to be seen is because of a deep insecurity and an orphan spirit where we really think that our security is something that we're responsible for and we have to assure for ourselves and our families. And so I think one of the real heart texts that, you know, that addresses the deeper problem is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following, where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in steel. Okay, don't do that. Don't do what we do uh, by nature. Uh, you know, uh, hoard things and build up uh, personal security through materialism and through possessions, through, um, you know, I mean, things that we would store up could include, you know, just uh, monies in the stock market and in investments and in land and in different things as well as in goods. Um, Jesus is saying, don't be oriented that way, but rather, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so, wow, um, actively, what does that mean? What does that mean to actively store up for ourselves treasures in heaven? You know, what does that mean? How do we, how do, we do that? 
you know i mean we we've seen that it it means like actually living this hidden life before the father where you know when we pray we're we're to go into our rooms and shut the door and to pray to our father who sees in secret and who will you know repay us um you know we're we're living our lives um in obedience to this invisible god who is the shot caller who is also the one who is our vindicator and um so store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and so um if my treasure is in this world you know if i'm seeking to develop a legacy for myself you know say in my case tianweb i'm trying to if i'm trying to you know like leave a legacy like leave a bunch of things that i've achieved that will um make people remember me positively you know or um provide some kind of reputation that i that i'm hope hoping will be positive you know and and if i'm seeking security into my old age and and that's my main motivation you know is providing for myself and my family you know um in a calculated way um rather than being primarily oriented towards um seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness which jesus says right after this you know about not worrying about what you eat drink or put on like the nations do but verse 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you um do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble of its own you know like seeking first the kingdom of god and god's righteousness is what we're called to do all of us every single disciple of jesus this is um this is the, the mandate which um orients us and and how we what our attention is focused on you know which um jesus directly speaks about in verse 22 the eye is the lamp of the body so you know what is our gaze focused on is it on uh calculating um how people are going to view us you know positively and and maybe um not canceling us you know because we want favor with a particular group we don't want to be deplatformed you know for speaking out in some way and of course we need great wisdom about anything that we say publicly these days you know we want to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves we want we don't want to be canceled you know by quote unquote throwing our pearls before swine you know we want to be like jesus jesus often asked answered people's questions when they were trying to trap him with questions of his own and he was super savvy and um in a way covert with some of his viewpoints and yet at the same time he wasn't muted you know he was free and we need an, a higher level of the prophetic that's truly wise and yet at the same time courageous so the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes clear your whole body will be full of light okay um and i see this as kind of dealing with the question of idolatry you know what who are we worshiping and who are we standing before what is our ultimate concern but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters okay so we can't serve ourselves and our fame and our reputation and our security and our well-being and our personal 
freedom and our, you know, um, our own personal interests and including money and, um, you know, economic security, fame, all those things. You can't serve two masters for either you will hate the one, um, which would be um, the world, so to speak, um, or God, our father or Jesus and love the other. You know, which one are we hating? Which one are we loving? It's you can't do both. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Um, and, you know, mammon is the ultimate, like, idol. You know, wealth, money. Um, but I think I think if we're, if we're seeking to live our lives for rewards in this life, and those rewards are, you know, personal security and finances, money, then... I think mammon can be understood broadly to include fame and um, reputation and lots of other things. And so anyway, I would like to try to grow in this. And, you know, these scriptures that talk about, you know, the rewards are everywhere in the Bible and they're, they're super challenging. You know, these are not, um, you know, Jesus himself, he talks about, you know, the, like when he's with the woman at the well and uh, the disciples are off getting food and um, worrying about, you know, food and, you know, provision and that kind of thing, which, um, you know, Jesus never rebukes them for that. But Jesus stays alone at the well and has this encounter with this, with this woman. And, you know, one of the main things that the disciples are worried about is that he hasn't eaten. And so they said, you know, Master, are you hungry and have you eaten? And but he says, you know, his food is to do the will of his of his father. And you know, he he says in verse thirty six, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, uh, so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. So Jesus is reaping; he's he's receiving wages, even right then and there, because. Um, the harvest was ripe, you know, the, the fields were ripe for the harvest. And, and that's what Jesus saw when he saw um, this Samaritan woman and the community. And, um, you know, we see Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 3, 8, now the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Well, that's up to God to determine what that reward is. And we have to be careful that we're not seeking our own reward and fighting for our own reward and for, the, you know, for our own credit or, you know, um, things to be attributed to us or whatever. We, we need to leave that in God's hands. God is the one who vindicates. 1 Corinthians 3.14, if any person's work which he has built on, it remains, that person will receive a reward. So, you know, I guess, you know, that brings us back to living our lives according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, because the fruit that it remains is going to be the fruit that comes out of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of the flesh, which um, I think a lot of our fruit, I'm sure that a lot of the fruit that I've seen in my life, some of it is definitely got to be the fruit of the flesh, which a lot of that is already rotted and is long gone. And I want to learn how to be oriented so that I can receive, you know, the I, that, so that there can be really lasting fruit. I, I long for that in this season of my life to be, to have my, my eyesight, you know, my eye 
clear, clarified more and more and more so that there's more of a purity of heart, um, which will result in seeing God, but also in, um, you know, just having clarity in my body, in my, in myself, in my, in our ministry, in our family. Um, first Corinthians nine seventeen. for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward, but if it is against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge. I mean, this is a whole nother area that I am so curious about and and I want and I'm leaning into, like, you know, Jesus says freely, you've received, freely give. And I think, you know, the the way um Christianity has gone, it's gone mercenary, you know, where um, you know, everyone is is kind of, I guess, maybe encouraged, or there's a modeling of a kind of mercenary Christianity where we, you know, we do things for hire. We're a pastor or a speaker for hire, um, a teacher for hire. And there's something, um, I guess, normal about that, because, I mean, Paul writes that you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the labor's worthy of his wages. But, you know, how do we live our lives, um, you know, where we, we go out? you know, without, you know, without money and without extra provisions. And we trust on those that receive us to provide for us or not. And, um, you know, we're living, you know, by faith in vulnerability, which I think is the ultimate model of, of the missional, you know, Jesus movement posture is, you know, um, Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 12 or the 70, 72 and tells them you know to go and to receive the hospitality um which they may not receive we may not receive so um anyway these are just some reflections and they're unfinished and um i just uh, want to encourage you to ponder um some of these questions of what does it mean to to live you know to, really by faith before god as as your as your parent your heavenly, your heavenly parent who, you know, and who loves you as a son or daughter. So let's, let's move in that direction. God bless you in that pursuit of, um, you know, hungry and thirsting after righteousness, um, knowing that you will be fulfilled.